You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. That music, of course, is uh, "Don't For- Don't You Forget About Me" from Simple Minds. David, um, you know, as childhood of the '80s, well, teenagers of the '80s, we're kind of children of the '70s, yeah. I guess. Uh, that was an iconic piece of music from one of the bigger movies of the '80s, uh, The Breakfast Club, which I'll be honest, was one of my favorite movies for many, many years. It's not anymore, yeah. but for a long time, yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, definitely, and uh, interesting thing about that piece of music um, is that <laughs> Simple Minds kind of recorded it. They were on tour somewhere, and somebody asked them to do it, and they just recorded it, and then they forgot about it. They didn't think it was that great a song. They had no idea it was going to become their, effectively their signature record. And uh, the reason the reason they felt like that is because it wasn't their song. They didn't write it, and um, at the time, they really were much more into their own music. Um, and uh, just go show sometimes you shouldn't be like that because it's by far the best piece of music they ever recorded. Um, it's much better than a lot of their own stuff. Oh, in, in yeah, I opinion. agree. I, I like, yeah, they have some good songs, but not very many. They, this the problem is they were massive in the UK in the, in the 80s. They really were, uh, you know, they had big concerts and that sort of thing. And now, not many people, apart from that song, not many people remember them because a lot of their music was very self-important, self-serious. Yep. Uh, they were very politically active, um, and they were kind of like a, a well, they were they were kind of like a sub U two. Yeah. Uh, and um, even U two nowadays is not as well remembered as as perhaps they you might have thought, given how big they were. Uh, and Simple Minds is definitely in the same kind of club. Mm. The Breakfast Club. <laughs> I, I would disagree with yeah. you about U2. I think they're still one of the biggest bands in the world. Uh, when they come out with yeah, a new yeah. album, it's number one. When they sell, when they go to, on tour, they completely sell out every single well, venue. Yeah, but yeah, but they're not doing any of that anymore, are they? I mean, when, the last time they came out with a new album was the one that, that got stuffed down off threats no. by Tim Cook. No, it wasn't. No? no. Yeah, but that that's precisely my point is that um, I haven't heard any new U2 music or people talking about U2 music for a long time. So they have come out with new albums and they're not as big as they used to be. Uh, I'm looking to see. It doesn't look like um, they've got... Yeah, they've got a new song, a new album, Songs of Surrender. Yeah, that exactly. Like it hasn't come crickets. out yet. Crickets. They are not the band they were. Well, nobody can stay at that height with, the, you know, there's maybe a few exceptions, but not Rolling really. Stones. No, they're not. <laughs> No, I, I guess no. The Rolling Stones are less relevant now than they've ever been in the history of music. I mean, uh, but I, I think apart from the stuff they did on the Joshua Tree, I don't think a lot of people remember a lot of U2's music after that as much as perhaps you might have thought at the time, given how massive they were. I would agree with that. Unfortunately, I, yeah. you know, they've had some killer music since then. Um, yeah, but they have. But it it it's it's, it's hard to as... it's hard to be as big as your biggest album. Look at Def yeah. Leppard. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's there's lots of bands from yeah. from that time. In fact, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. We were. Well, I don't know. You, you probably have never heard of this guy. There was a an act from like the fifties uh, in Britain called George Formby. He used to play the ukulele. 
Yeah, I know who he is, actually, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, and he was massive at the time, but I, I, we, I had this conversation with somebody the other day because they started singing his most famous song, you know, as a, it, it tends to be a bit of a mocking thing nowadays. Yep. And I said, it's funny because the contemporaries of George Formby were probably, you know, as big as many of the, the big acts today, and yet everyone's forgotten them, but for some reason George Formby's people remember um, and uh, of course, you know that's the same with any era. You can yes. have these things that are huge at the time, and then literally fade from everyone's memory. Um, but there's only so and, much airplay. There's only so much. What was really big to us as kids kind of fades. How, how many times have you seen something pop up on a website or Facebook or something? Hey, remember this from the '80s? And you're like, Oh my God, I love that thing, and you haven't yeah. thought about it in 20 years. Yeah, and and some of them come back because they appear in you know much like simple minds are remembered for the breakfast club some of them come back because they they appear in something else that makes them popular again i would suggest that most a lot of people wouldn't remember wouldn't be aware of as much of journey stuff nowadays if it wasn't for glee with their use of uh, don't stop believing uh, or think- or uh, the end of uh, sopranos yeah um, yeah but that, that that kind of brought journey back yes. from well i know, would say that the stranger things what's her name kate the uh, Singer, I forget her name now. Kate something. Kate Bush. Kate yeah, Bush is a good example of that. Yeah. Hit the charts again because of Stranger Things. Metallica's yeah. "Ride the Lightning" shot up the charts because of Stranger Things. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. The next generation discovers it. Their memory now is evoking a feeling from this TV show they really like or this movie yeah. they really like. And maybe they'll start exploring that artist music. Probably not. They probably no. won't like anything else except that one song. But and, and, and sometimes what happens is these because. Uh, the music industry is very cyclical. Um, sometimes somebody will cover or sample a song and, and kind of redo it. And, and then, you know, everybody now remembers the, the not the original version, but the cover or the variation um, or something like that. Julie and I were just having this discussion uh, last week in the car. Uh, Queen and David Bowie came on. Yeah. And she, of course, knows the song from Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. And to me, yeah, I was... That was a big song when we were young, but I never thought of that as his song. I was like, I, it always kind of ticked me off because that's that's Queen and David Bowie under yeah. pressure. That's what that is. That's not that's right. this this joke of a rapper. But well, you can, I was just about to say you can call him a joke of a rapper, but actually that that thing of sampling a song and turning it into your own with rap over it you you think about that now. He was very much ahead of his time because that's what everybody does now. Yeah. You know, he wasn't. It, 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 I, I think um, Vanilla Rice or his team, anyway, if it wasn't him, had more going on than perhaps we give them credit for. The problem was that we all kind of thought he was a joke pretty fly then. for a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, that was the uh, the Breakfast Club theme song. Yeah. And uh, good. So I to me that song just screams eighties. Oh, absolutely! Not yeah. just for that movie, in me, for me, I, I like the song regardless. Um, but yeah, you know, when you get older, songs that were or movies that were big to you, like for me, The Breakfast Club, I watch it now and it's nostalgic. But it's so each character is so transparent in their motivations, and you see, as an uh, older adult, uh, yeah, all the stuff that seems really important to them is kind of not. And you're going to find yeah. out all of this stuff is meaningless when you get older. You know, your your teenage angst, if you will. Um, yeah. But very few writers, directors 
captured that spirit of a teenager that John Hughes did, who did that movie. You know, he did The Pretty in Pink. He did one of my favorite movies of all time, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, where he started yeah. kind of breaking out of that a little bit. Um, great director. It was sad when I saw he had passed away like 20 years ago now. Um, yeah. But I do like watching the retrospects of actors and other people talking about his movies and how influential he was. That his whole thing was yeah. writing. He was he, he just wrote, 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 wrote. And that he's got like 40 scripts still that the family won't release, which is a bummer because they won't release it because he wrote them to direct to make those movies. And yeah. if he can't, then it's they're not going to release them, which I get. But... I know there's some pretty talented directors who are kind of in his flavor nowadays, and I think they would probably do a good job, but who knows? We'll never see it. You'd imagine so, yeah. And who knows how good, maybe the reason he never made those is because he didn't think the scripts were that good, you know. Yeah, well, um, he was kind of a recluse, yeah. too, towards the he end. He was, yeah. But, I mean, let's let's face it, uh, what a what an output of work. Um, you know, some of his comedies as well, as you, you mentioned, Plays, Chains, and Autobills, but Ferris Bueller's Day yep. Off. That's probably um, his most favorite. I never liked Ferris all that much. I thought it was well, kind of tropey and bad acting yeah. and I, I just i didn't like it that much i i and i think i think it was obviously that's one of the ones where it's really meant to be amped up yes um and i think everyone's kind of overacting in that for a for a reason because obviously that's what he wanted them to do i think i think some of the things that people don't remember about ferris bueller's day off are the best things about it the whole subplot with the um with the sister and this principal, I think is is really really funny. Yep. Uh, and and kind of you know uh, a real uh, a, a take on you know these obsessive authority figures we sometimes used to used to see. You know, and it was it was very much a thing in the eighties. It's still a little bit now, but but definitely back then. Uh, and also the whole you know I I loved Cameron and the you know the the way he was with his dad and all of that sort of thing which obviously was kind of all unsaid yep um, well it really wasn't unsaid i mean he well he you know what i mean no, it, yeah no but it but it, it kind of it it seeps out through the movie yep. it's not like ferris bueller you kind of knew what know what his deal is right from the beginning but yeah but he's super Cameron's story yeah but cameron's story kind of um you know as I say, it kind of kind of creeps out during the movie, and and it's quite poignant by the end of it. Well, you know? I think the two best characters in the movie is the sister and Cameron. The yeah. least, the by far the least interesting character is Matthew Broderick's character because well, it's yeah, just well, he, shallow and boring. Well, he's 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 only there to kind of move the plot along. Yes. And that's the whole point is he's he's almost like the uh, narrator the MacGuffin that that makes makes the movie happen. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, and he's he's the, he's 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 the lead, even though he's kind of like the sidekick, the comedy sidekick, because his all of his shtick is the comedy, you know. So um, interesting, yeah. So let's talk about. Um, well, let's let's start out by saying spoilers. We're yeah. going to be talking and we're going to review Ant Man and the Wasp, and that's going to be coming up. So if you haven't seen the movie, when we get to that. You might not want to listen because we're going to spoil pretty much the whole movie. Um, but, <laughs> oh boy, Let, let's talk about this. They can't let sleeping dogs lie. Um, no. I, I really like the new Lord of the Rings series on, yeah. uh, what is it, Amazon Prime. Amazon. It, it was surprise. Here's the thing. I, I liked Game of Thrones, and I still yeah. haven't seen the new season of whatever it is. I, I, it just... 
there's something about that I just don't really care. I feel like they told that story and anything else is superfluous at this point. Yeah, it's just more of the same. Yeah, but you know, I could say the same thing about period, Lord of the Rings, the but I don't because I was kind of excited about this. Maybe I just like that property more, which, you know, I, it was the first actual novels I wrote was, or I, I read was the trilogy and the Hobbit. I, I actually read those books. That was the first actual novels that I read. So I've got some nostalgia and, you know, my grandfather gave me those books to read and boy, yeah. I just devoured them. I just did. And I tried to read them again many years later, not too long ago. And I couldn't, it was just so boring to me. I mean, I was so not yeah. interested in all the world building that token does. That being said, this new show comes out on, on Amazon and I waited for them to release everything, and then I watched it all, and it was fantastic. It's yeah, so I good. Was, I was pleasantly surprised, because um, much like you, I kind of, you know, I, I rolled my eyes. I thought, you know, here, well, here we go, yeah. exploiting a property. Um, I knew it was based on... So, Tolkien wrote The Hobbit first, then he wrote The Lord of the Rings, and then he had all these other kind of spin-off things that never really got properly finished, he did the Silmarillion, and the Silmarillion is all about um, the much like the well. This is the basis for this uh, Amazon series. It's it's like what happened way before the Lord of the Rings. I mean, literally thousands of years before the Lord of the Rings. Right. He just kind of um, wrote a broad outline of what happened. Yeah, and he and yeah, and then it got developed after he died into a collection of stories, almost like a you know a compilation of stories about all these things that happened in the very early days of Middle-earth, and it's all about the creatures that came before some of the creatures in Lord of the Rings. And it's also kind of, kind of the, the narrative thread that ended up, and I don't know how much of this was Tolkien, how much of it was his his family and his son who kind of pulled it all together, but it end up, ends up being like the early days of where did Sauron come from? How did he, you know, how did he come about? And how was Middle-earth created? And this is very much what the... Um, well, the, the the Lord of the Rings series is kind of centred around... It's about the creation of the rings. Uh, that's what's called the Rings of Power. Um, and it's about the influence of the creature who would become Sauron in 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 creating those. And then the betrayal well, already, that yeah, creates the one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's very good. I mean, yeah, it is. they try it's, to surprise you a few times, but you see it coming from a mile away. Um, yeah, but the... But what they've done is they've taken some familiar characters because some of these characters are very long-lived and then they've introduced some new ones and they've kind of mixed things around a bit and it's a really, really... And because it's so so long before The Lord of the Rings, they're able to take some of the tropes of some of these characters and make them different, yep. which is, is really kind of what it, what works for it. And, uh, yeah, it's a great series and it's really well done. So here we come um, with, you know, too much of a good thing, the... Link that you brought in was from The Verge, and yeah. um, Warner so, Brothers so, Discovery will be working on multiple Lord of the Ring movies with the production company behind the original film trilogy, New Line Cinema. The deal was announced by Warner Brothers CEO during the company's Q4 earnings call. Um, he didn't provide any additional details about those movies, you know, what they're based on. The two companies already have a working are already been working together on an animated movie called The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim, 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 yeah, which is due out in 2024. Okay, so it's animation. That's fine. I don't mind animation. They go crazy with animation stuff. Animation can be some of the best stuff out there. I mean, 
yeah. I, yeah. the original Lord of the Rings was animation. Um, you remember uh, those, yeah, The Hobbit. What, uh, I, I, well, the original, the Lord of the Rings, there was a guy called Ralph Bakshi who did an animated Lord of the Rings. There was like a comp, it was, it was the first two books kind of mashed together. It wasn't great. No, um, but that's all I remember we had. watching it as a kid and thinking it wasn't great, and um, it never got any better as you went back to it looking as as older. But it was the only way you could see the Lord of the Rings back then. I, I mean, that was back in the time when people kind of thought the Lord of the Rings was virtually unadaptable. Well, it was um, for a long time. Yeah. So, um, so, so what's happened here is that is that um, well, hold on a this, minute. So now. Amazon, so, okay, the animation movie's coming out. They're going to make more movies. The Rings of Power show is on season two now. They're coming, they're filming it, or they just wrapped, one of the two. Uh, and now this Embracer group, which now owns the rights to make stories in the Tolkien universe, that is exploring additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn. Really? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Money. the Embracer Group is one of these big financial holding companies that's going around. You know, this, there's this movement now where people, where artists are selling the rights to their old records yep. and stuff like that. They're one of those companies that buys that stuff. And they buy it as an investment to then sell the rights to somebody else to then make content based on it. And um, this is what they're doing. And consequently, Warner Brothers Discovery, who... Are the people who now own the DC universe, um, and we've talked at length on this podcast about some of their um, activities and and what they're doing at, with with DC at the moment. They are they are um, the company who are now saying that they've they basically they bought rights from Embracer to um, do more Lord of the Rings stuff. So this is completely separate from the Amazon thing. It's nothing to do with the Amazon property, which is bad. Um, well, well, the, the difficulty is what Embracer has is the rights to do stuff based on The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It doesn't have the right. They don't have the rights to do anything on the previous stuff. Uh, and the difficulty is The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings has been done. And it's been done in a way that um, everyone accepts uh, it would be, even though it's 20 years ago now, it would be kind of dumb to try and do it again. Oh, yeah. uh, admittedly, admittedly, The Hobbit wasn't great. Um, the Hobbit itself took a uh, what was a very simple child story because if you go back and read the original Hobbit, it's a children's story. And The Lord of the Rings came later as he expanded that universe. But um, really, The Hobbit wasn't like that. And they tried to turn it into a three-picture Lord of the Rings epic. and It, it didn't it, work it at just, all. The, well, the material wasn't strong enough. And no. um, they had to put a whole load of extra stuff in there. And also as well, you know, the, it's it's a pretty simple story. And uh, it, it doesn't really lend itself to epic. They'd have been better to do uh, a much smaller scale thing. And maybe that's what, what, um, what Warner Brothers will try and do. But that's not really their style, is it? No, they don't they, do. You know, they, no, they, they will want to wring as much money out of it as possible. Um I suspect what they'll try and do is they'll try and because uh, David Zaslav is not a fan of streaming, so they'll try and reboot <laughs> as much as you can the Lord of the Rings. And the problem is when you've already had something that everyone kind of generally accepts. I mean, it was nominated the, the last move wasn't the last movie nominated for an Oscar. I mean, these yes. these are generally generally accepted to be pretty good adaptations of those source of that source material with some 
very iconic performances and, uh, you know, really established some pretty big actors in their careers and that sort of thing. You can't help feeling that anybody who tries to reboot that and re- reboot that and redo it is going to suffer by comparison. Um, and, yeah, it's going to uh, be a disaster. You know, well, and also as well, like, is there is there an urge for people to to see those see that material again? Is no. there a drive for that? Is there a demand for that in the in the you know even among the most ardent Tolkien fans to see the Lord of the Rings redone? Um, and they can try and come up with new stories for the maybe this is the approach they'll take they'll they'll say well here's 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 a new gandalf movie um him doing stuff that you never saw in the lord of the rings and uh the problem then is going to go oh right okay but how does this fit with the lord of the rings and why wasn't any of this mentioned in the right. lord of the rings stories it can't be too <laughs> epic know? otherwise the guys would have talked about it there's <laughs> exactly. a reference to it you know you know so um yeah, the adventures of Aragorn um, as well, a ranger it's gonna, I, I already, in a movie. Yeah, I, I, I found, <laughs> I didn't want to break this here, but I did find an outline for the first movie. And it's going to be Gandalf and Aragorn, and they're basically raising Gollum as a child. Oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's the warrior and the wizard. Um, the warrior two dads and the wizard. Is what it's, it's called Two Dads. <laughs> Colin, my two dads. <laughs> this is this is how my dad screwed up my childhood and yeah, turned me into and, an and evil. You find ring out ray. that it's these two guys that made him, you know, such a, a strange outcast kind of guy, and it ends yeah. with him pushing this, you know, clubbing this guy to steal a ring. Um, but it was Gandalf and Aragorn's fault the whole time. Right. Okay. I also. It's a comedy, see, by the um, way. It's a comedy. <laughs> of course. Of course, it is. Yeah. Yeah. In, on the similar line, Steve Gutenberg's going to have a, a small part. Yeah. Of it. I want to see a buddy cop movie with Pippin and Merry. Yes. After they, you know, they they basically become the sheriffs of the basically Shire. Basically, rush hour. The end of the- but- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fort- another forty-eight hours with yeah. hobbits. Yeah, and they're in Hobbit Town the whole time. Yeah, exactly. They're the sheriffs of the Shire. The, the, and, the, and basically, the hor- you know, we could have a we could have a murder procedural. The donkey chases um, are pretty boring, sh- though. I mean, they're pretty slow. And but yeah, you know, well, you can't really make a cart skid round a dirt track. Well, they try. <laughs> so they're going to try. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, I know. They should I, just I, hire I, us yeah. to do it. <laughs> Obviously, we've got the right idea. That's right. And, and of course, this is the problem. It's always the problem when you diverge from the source material. And we'll we'll talk about this later when we when we come on to Ant Man. Is that if you're going to create something new in a particular universe, yeah, you've got to have. If you want to do it well, you've got to have. You've got to start with top top notch writing and a really great story idea. And which is why I um, think the new series of Lord of the Rings. Um the, uh, what is it called again? I, I, I'm just the Rings of Power. Yeah, the Rings of Power shows. At least the first season. Who knows? It could jump off yeah. a cliff really quickly, or jump a shark if you want. Um, or jump, or jump off a boat. Yep. Oh no, they already did barrel. Don't jump off a barrel. <laughs> yeah. Um, it could it could completely go awful. I it don't think be. it would, and I don't think it will. Because the first series is very, very strong. Uh, yeah. I completely buy the characters. The main character, the one woman, um, 
Elf. Galadriel. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with her. Jeez, oh, Pete, they put some tight-fitting stuff on her in there. Um, wow. And she turned into Kate Blanchett. I so. know. Well, yeah. Then it kind of goes downhill for her, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, don't get me wrong. She's a great actress, Kate Blanchett, but wouldn't be high on my put a poster on my wall when it's a teenager. Um, it, it, it's just such a well-written, well-filmed. Yes, it's big budget. That doesn't always translate into great stuff, but this is really, really great. Yeah, you know, well, like, I mean, it's a billion dollar. Well, again, screen, but that so. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You, you spend well, a billion dollars no. doesn't mean it. Sometimes yeah, that but, means you put too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the one of the things this has going for it is because the financial stakes are so high. And let's face it, I mean, this is Amazon's big bet to keep their streaming service going. Um, and because the stakes are so high, a lot of care. It looks like a lot of care has yep. been taken with it. Um, yeah, every with, time they uh, could have gone one direction and it made it tropey, they didn't. Yeah, and with Warner Brothers Discovery, you uh, and especially given, uh, I know it's got new ownership now, but given that company's history with trying to wring money out of world building, yeah, which is what they did with the DC Universe, the worry would be that they will be so desperate to turn this into a multi-movie epic billion-dollar franchise that um, they kind of screw it up. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is Particularly the as, as when you get people going, well, yeah, you know, we're spending so much money on this, so me, the executive, needs to have their input because it's my money that we're taking the line. Well, and that's my fear is they're going to look at what Star Wars did and we're going to get Baby Golem. Yeah. Instead of Baby uh, Yoda, we're going to get Baby Golem. Baby Golem. Mm. Um, we'll see. I, I, you know, here's the thing. We're both going to watch whatever they produce. Let's be honest. We're going to. Mm, well, you will. I, t- I tend to be a little bit more discerning nowadays. I, not with this kind you know, of stuff. It, you're not. You're going to watch if it. It's, if it's... If for no well, other reason to but, talk but about But here's the, the thing. I, I, this is what I'm saying. I've, you know, I've my fantasy uh, kind of desire to watch decent fantasy has been slaked by the Lord of the Rings. I was never really into the Game of Thrones that much anyway. Um, and the new Lord of the Rings series does it for me. Um, I'm looking forward to the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. That also looks like fun. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I, as I say, I'm one of these people who can't say I'm desperate to see more Tolkien stuff. No, I'm and not so, either. But when yeah, it comes so, out and it's as good as you know the new amazon series it does kind of fire me up what i what i want good, is entertainment yeah. i want to be able to suspend my disbelief i just want to sit back enjoy it and afterwards go wow that was really good that's what i yeah. want some people may think well you guys are always ragging on dc stuff it's not because we don't like dc stuff i love dc characters yeah. i mean they're the most iconic superheroes ever superman yeah. batman wonder woman you, nobody is above them in the iconic category what we don't like is when someone like Zack Schneider, who doesn't understand these characters at all, has yeah. and has no respect for the characters at all. He just wants to do his own world-building thing um, and, and make those characters his, and he does it in a way that's not true to those characters on any of them. Maybe the closest is Wonder Woman, but he had less to do with that. That was mostly Patty Jenkins, but even so... Wonder Woman's not that interesting of a character. She was made out of clay, really. I mean, this kind of dumb. Um, I started watching Zack Schneider's Justice League again mm-hmm. because we said, wow, it was definitely better than, you know, the first one we've got. 
you know, when they show his yeah. vision of it. I, I, I'm going to take that back now because yeah. I started watching it and it's so bad. You think? Oh, it's just so bad, dude. Well, he he I, starts I, yeah. cramming music into places that doesn't fit at all. Yeah, I mean, I know. I I kind of know what what you mean. I I still enjoyed it better than Joss Whedon's version, I, but I, I, I did a, at first. That's a, but now that's, that's a fairly that's a fairly low bar. Well, here's the thing: but, his version, everything is serious the whole time. At least oh, yeah. with Josh Whedon, the scene with Aquaman sitting on the ropes and expressing his feelings that was great yeah. yeah i i yeah i mean part of it's colored now by we you know how what that joss whedon yet another horrible person in hollywood kind of annoys me that that um the stuff they do is colored by that really um as i said i enjoyed the schneider cut more but um having seen it i wouldn't ever watch it again no i, would I, never I, I tried to and watch i it tried again. it's yeah. it's just bad i just I, well it, it's just like it's one of those things i've seen it and having seen it, I don't ever need to see it again. No. I watched it, and at the time, I thought this is better than the Whedon version, than the um, than the cinema cut. But uh, having seen it, yeah, again, I won't go and see it again. Whereas <laughs> I've watched lots of Marvel stuff many, many times. Yeah. So, there you go. Speaking of Marvel, let's jump into a review of um, Marvel's latest big blockbuster, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. Now, yeah. <sighs> I love the first Ant-Man movie. I love the first two. I love both I, of them. I don't think I the second I, one is very good. Oh, well, I disagree. I think the second one is 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 different than the first one, but I, I really enjoyed the second one. I thought they really got the best aspect of what's interesting about Ant-Man, which is the whole business of, you know, stuff flipping up, flipping down, him getting bigger and smaller, the wasp getting bigger and smaller, the cars and all of that. I thought it was all tremendous fun. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I like the first uh, one because I, of the discovery, and, and I think that the yeah. way they introduced Scott Lang uh, was perfect. It really was. Yeah. I, I mean, the first, don't get me wrong. The first one probably is a better vehicle for Paul Rudd yep. than the second. Yep. Um, and that that's like it becomes a, and a bigger problem in this last one um i thought that uh though that the way they kind of moved evangeline Lilly as the wasp into the central role in the second one i thought was really good and you know i thought that uh michael douglas did great service there are big problems in the second one i mean the whole the bad guy is the bad guy yeah, the ghost super lame. the ghost girl yeah is just is just bad bad yeah the whole thing is bad and the whole you know oh here's here's my friend um he's going to help me out oh it turns out he's behind the whole bad thing anyway yeah is 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 really badly done i don't think lawrence fishburne puts in a great performance in the second one either um but uh apart from that i actually i still well you know i i mean talking about going back and re-watching i would re-watch either of those two movies anytime yep Absolutely, I, I would agree with time. you there. Yeah. So then we get to the new movie, and mm. I liked a lot of it, and I disliked some of it. I'll I'll tell you how I felt after watching it. Well, let's and, start with uh, the with the uh, the story itself before we get into the acting and the special effects and all that. St- right. Okay. The, so, so the overall movie itself, the, right. the story. The st- I think the story, the overall story, is terrible. I really think is absolutely terrible. I think the writing and the, uh, not the universe that's depicted, but I think the actual writing and the story itself in this movie sucked. It's so much smacked of, 
oh, we've got to we've, we've got, got to, to set explain. up King. We've got to set up the phase. Yeah. Right. And and to me, it the problem is they were so busy doing that they forgot to write an interesting story. Yeah. This story is boring. It is boring because you feel, despite the fact you've got this big. Um, a big bad who's going to be covering the next a whole next phase right and a, you know a very interesting character and a great performance from the actor delivering that character it, it doesn't feel he, he individually feels threatening but the overall stakes in the movie are just like well yeah who cares these people this whole situation is happening in this literal subatomic space who the who the hell cares Nobody cares. And you can tell that nobody cares. Everyone's going through the motions in this movie. Not everybody. The right, well, but yeah, but, but in, I'm talking about in the story. The story is is just, it's just dull. Yeah. And uh, and and it's low stakes. And I, I've got to be honest, I, I came out of this movie, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. And my, my litmus test for this is I took my wife and kids as well. The kids really loved it. Um, Leanne did not fall asleep. That's always a good sign because she falls asleep in a lot of movies. And if she doesn't, that's a good sign. But you know what? She's kind of whispering to me all the way through and she's going, well, I can see where they got that from. Oh, this reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. She just wasn't really impressed with it. And I think that's the problem. This film is just mediocre. And you, I, I came away thinking, well, it's, it's kind of like having, you know, when you're really hungry and you get Chinese takeout, from a place you normally don't go to. And while you're eating it, because you're really hungry, you're thinking, oh, this is okay, this is pretty good. You know, and after you finish eating it, you think, okay, I enjoyed that. And then two hours later, you feel you've got a bit of a stomachache, you kind of feel a bit greasy and a bit off and that sort of thing. And you just think, oh, you know, that really wasn't as good as I thought it was. That's the, how this movie made me feel. Um, you know, the longer I think back on it, the more I think, oh, it just really wasn't that good. And that's really disappointing um for the first first well i I think making ant-man the first movie in phase five was a mistake um i don't think he's a big enough character to pull off this kind of movie and he's in this movie he's he and everything that happens is kind of you could put any superhero in that yeah and that's the problem he's not really using any of his powers in the way that make them interesting well, and you could you could just replace it with any generic superhero. Well, here's uh, and, here's one of my yeah. problems with that is that at, when he first well, number one they keep teasing Kang for the first quarter of the yeah. movie like who is this guy? Well, we know who he is because that's <laughs> all you've been showing in the trailers and stuff. Yeah. So he's on the post. Yeah, it's like okay, we know who, why are why are you dragging this out? Just get to the bad guy. That's what we want to see, right? So when they finally get to meet him. <coughs> He's captured Scott. Well, he hasn't, but his minions have. Yeah. Um, and his daughter, who drives me crazy that she has a costume now. Um, he says, have I killed you before? Because he's not sure who he is. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I have a job for you. Because you're the only one who can do it. Because of your skill and your history. Well, wait a minute. You didn't even know who he was a minute ago. How the hell do you know he has all these skills when you didn't know who he was just well, literally 10 minutes ago in the film? It, well, it, it was uh, nonsensical. The, the, but this is part of my problem with the film, is the whole story is like that. Mm-hmm. The whole story has got these narrative gaps that they can't just kind of... It, it's it's that it's the sort of thing we saw in the, in, the, in the latest Star Wars movies, where they just do stuff and then just kind of 
try and paper over the narrative jump they've just made. Yeah. And with this one, it's like, hang on a minute, they spent two movies dicking around in the quantum realm and nobody ever mentioned any of this stuff. They didn't mention the people, they didn't mention the universe, they didn't mention Kang, they didn't mention any of that. And then we spend the first 40 minutes of this movie kind of teasing the fact there's a whole load of stuff out there that Janet knows about and won't, even though they're in the middle of it, won't explain to anybody. Well, my problem there was in the first movie... Um, you know, he goes to that realm, but only briefly, right? It's the yeah. second movie that's all about it, and she they rescue her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, in it's, Endgame, she never talks in about Endgame, the in Endgame, the time travel through the quantum realm realm in- enables the entire plot, right. and at no point does she go. Well, she's not there, but at no point yeah, does anybody been go out of existence. Right. Yeah, all right, fair enough. But but the thing is. The reason why, where was she when she got snapped away? She was helping Scott go back to the quantum realm. Yeah. Which in this movie, she means don't uh, don't do that. So if she knows about Kang, which she's meant to. Right. Why is she sending? She, the first thing she should do when she comes back out of the quantum realm, even if she doesn't explain it, is she should say to uh, Hank, don't ever go there again. Right. Because at the end of, right? of the, the second movie... Scott's there, and she's helping Scott's in the experiment. He gets stuck there for five years during the snap. Right. And now right. we get to this movie, and right at the beginning, Casey Lang has opened up a radio, basically, so they can explore. Uh, yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, freaking out. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. And also as well, yeah, all right, I, one of the things that's really starting to piss me off about superhero movies in general um, is having people who seem you know kids who seem to without any training whatsoever suddenly achieve not only genius level intellect but actually know everything about everything yeah, exactly that was my right? big problem so with this. cassie lang picks up a few notes right and understands how to get to the quantum realm the thing she understands that, quantum mechanics all of a sudden really yeah and the thing that's the thing that, that remember hank pym had spent 20 years trying to get back down there to keep, rescue keep janet for a second i gotta move for a second you know and it's just like it just doesn't make any sense and so you go oh well oh well oh well plot and you know all credit to them they didn't hang around i mean they got straight into the quantum realm within the first 10 minutes of the movie right uh they they really wanted to get the story moving but I, what i didn't understand as well is having got to the quantum realm we then had 45 minutes of messing about with nothing really happening for no good reason whatsoever other than trying to build some sort of faux tension and then don't even get me started on the bill murray cameo what the hell was that even about bill murray shows up in this movie for absolutely no reason whatsoever apart from the fact that he's there to kind of delay the characters before something else happens. And he says, like, why did you need Bill Murray for that? Why didn't you come up with something better than that? How many times, going back to the previous movie, have we seen, oh, you know, this guy's a good friend of mine, he's going to help me out, and then he turns out to be bad? Deary me. I mean, it's the most tropiest trope ever. And here it is, front and centre. And uh, these people are meant to be good perceptions of character, you can see that some of them are not really buying this guy, and yet everyone sits around and lets him sell them out to the bad guy. It's just ridiculous. You know, uh, and it, I, I thought and it was it a complete no waste value. of that character. Yeah, it was a waste of character, but only it was a waste of like 20 minutes of screen time. Yeah. It just didn't do anything. No, it didn't move anything forward. It's like, hey, we can have Bill Murray in the movie. Well, yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, Bill was like many of his roles nowadays, was phoning it in. I mean, I, I didn't understand. Did he have a burning desire to be in a Marvel movie? He did. 
He did. Yeah, he actually asked to be in the movie. Could they put him in this movie? Because he's been wanting to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a long time. Uh, well, and so this okay. is this. No, it's true. So and, but okay, this is fine. The big but, thing. but I don't. You, get you know what? I don't understand with Bill Murray or, is this is a guy who he has a reputation of being really picky about the roles he takes. Yeah, and I can't understand how he can hold out for twenty years for a decent Ghostbusters role before doing another movie, and yet he shows up to do this. <laughs> Which was the worst of the worst. I just, uh, I, you know, it kind of shoots that guy's credibility completely. Well, because it I mean, obviously, it's you know, it's, it's not if like he wants, well, it's yeah, Robert but De Niro it's, or something. I know, yeah, but he's. I mean, really, I mean, there was nothing. He wasn't. He wasn't doing anything we haven't seen before. No, in this was he? Well, he's Bill Murray. That's what he always yeah. says. Uh, How many yeah, roles do you see him break out and do something totally different? Well, even the ones um, that people give him a lot of credit for, like, oh, he was great in that movie. He's still Bill Murray in the movie. I, you know, I what? mean, he's not just hunting a, gophers, but no, just a wasted opportunity. I think if they'd have done something with like the character he does in um, one of my favorite movies of his, Lost in Translation, yeah. he could have done that, and that would have been far more interesting than I agree. what he did here. Yeah, you know, um, and plus he's with a, Black Widow in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he has been in a Marvel movie yeah. already, so he just doesn't realize it. <clears throat> That's right. She was undercover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I, I just, yeah, I just, there are large chunks of this. I just think what's going on and why is it going on? The the, the whole premise of the final part of the movie, which is the, the uprising against Kang, it's just, oh, dearie me. Yeah. How many times have we seen this? Yeah. You know, we've got these, all these weird weird characters. Um, look, I don't, I, I part of the problem is as well, the, these bits that Leanne was saying to me during the movie, she was going, Oh well, that's Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's Star Wars. You know, um, it it so much had that it was it was poorly realized. I understand why they went full CGI, the, the, the but the world it, it had just no made, weight to it. No, because it was because you knew it was it was green screen and back and back projection. That's all it was. Yeah. So, it, of course, it doesn't have any weight to it. It's not real. None of it is real, and you can see it on the screen. And uh, they've also suspended. Even their internal logic here, yeah. Um, in the fir- in the first couple of movies, you know, the quantum realm was a dangerous place. If you don't have protection, it'll drive you mad. Yeah, except apparently it doesn't. No, nope. and there's all these people living there. It's fine. You can breathe down there without a mask. I felt like they were costume. trying to to do Ant Man in Guardians of the Galaxy type of setting, yeah. and it just didn't work because well, they-, they don't establish anything. They're well, just there, that. and oh look, yeah. it's just kind of weird. But everything's fine. Oh, but there's a bad guy here. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, the the most interesting part of the story, and quite honestly, what they should have done is the first half of the movie should have been a flashback with uh, Janet and Kang, and that story because it was by far the, the most part. interesting. Yeah, and, she and she also, knocked it out of the park in those in those and and so did I thought the most impressive thing about Jonathan Major's performance, it, you know, the standout moment for this movie for me was that transformation yeah. between, you know, the the lost guy. Yep. To where, where all of a sudden she she gets the mental vision of what he's really like. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in front of you, you see him turn from the guy he's been pretending to be yep. to Kang. Yeah. Straight the the and it's completely yeah, believable. I, yeah, it's like yeah, I am I am horrible, but I'll but still you know live up to. It's, I'm still going to help you. 
I'm still going to, I'm not only that, but it's, he, he looks and he goes, I am horrible, but, but this is who I am. I'm not going to apologize for it. No, nope. there's not, you know, and, and, and to me, that is Kang because yeah. he is like Thanos. He's another one of these characters who is more complex than just being a bad guy. He is somebody who's doing what he does because he thinks it's the thing that should be done. Yes. Yeah. Even though it's it's terrible and horrible, and of course, what we do have here, and this was not really properly explored, is we have kind of a, you know, is 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 this Kang, really the uh, the he who remains type Kang who wants to stop his his multiverse brethren from doing terrible things and and becomes terrible in his own way because of that, or is he just a pure evil Kang who wants to conquer everything? We don't know. Because that's kind of left open, and then it's thrown away because this version of Kang gets killed at the end of the movie. So we don't know whether he, that you know he doesn't. Why get was he banished? At the end of the movie, he does. Yeah, that particular one is dead. No, he's not. He is. Yeah, uh, because the one fact, so uh, the no, King of the Council of Kings come there. The Council of Kings, yeah, but but that the exiled one is dead, and they say at the end of the movie he's dead. Right? There are loads of others. Don't get me wrong, but that particular instance is dead. And uh, Peyton Reed actually has said afterwards, yeah, no, he's dead. You're not going to see that particular Kang again. So, again, it's like, well, well, well why? Yep. Um, and why was he exiled? What did he do to be exiled? Those are the things that are probably more interesting, and they're holding them for, for later movies. Well, I think they're um, holding some of that for Loki as well. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I, th- I think that was something else that I really struggled with this movie. I thought people who've not seen Loki... Uh, and um, and kind of the, the, some of the other multiverse movies are going to think, what the hell's going on here? It was completely impenetrable to them, you know. Uh, and of course, that when you when you don't understand what's going on the screen, then you can't buy into it. You can't detach yourself from it. So I ju- I just I I was really disappointed with this movie. I thought it was going to be really. Let, good. Let's be honest. There you some know. came out of this movie that I hope they. Show that the guy's not dead because he was so interesting, and that is the Pixar lamp guy. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what the character's was, name was, but it was brilliant. No, I don't think anybody knows what he was because, again, we see all these characters in the movies. They're kind of there. They're not really fleshed out. Um, they're, they're interesting in their own way, and then they just get thrown away. The telepathy guy was interesting in his own way, and then he got thrown away. We got the warrior chick. Um, you know, she, she kind of... It's apparently there just to make uh, lead her troops on at the end. Um, nothing more behind that. My biggest issue, honestly, you know. is they recast Cassie Lang. It really yeah. bothered me because in Avengers Endgame, when Scott goes to the house and yeah. she's there and she comes through the door, I completely block by that that girl is Casey. Yeah, she, it's the same girl got, grown up. Yeah, yeah, it's the same girl grown up. I completely buy it. Her facial structure is kind of the same. She's got the, this is an insult, the dopey eyes. Um, yeah. She's not like this hot girl or something. She's a normal person. To recast her with somebody who's, oh, she's going to look good on screen in another Marvel project, and she's hot, and that really bothered me. Yeah. She doesn't look anything like the the last actress and i think the last actress would have killed this role because she would have been way more believable this yeah. this lady this young lady in in cassie's new role is completely catherine, New- catherine newton is I yeah think. she's completely not yeah. believable in the role it's a uh, complete well, yeah. miscast 
and well, it took the, me the, out of the movie every single time because I don't believe Scott actually has fatherly feelings for this character, but he did yeah, for the other ones. I completely agree with you, and also as well, again, this this whole business about she's meant to be hyper intelligent, intelligent enough to solve the quantum realm in a few years without any training, and yet once they actually get in the quantum realm, she turns into a dummy. Yep. Yeah, all of a sudden, apparently, she's not capable of doing anything except reacting to what's going on around her. Yeah, and and being uh, effectively a generic action hero. She doesn't seem to be able to, you know, there's no, if this, she's meant to have a genius level intellect and understand the quantum realm, she's not trying to solve any problems. No. She's just basically there to fill in the numbers and give Scott a motivation for everything that happens in the movie. Now, the Uh, multiple Scots, that scene, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that was really well done. Yep, they really could have well done, done it a little bit different, where you saw different Scott Langs. That would have been even better. I mean, you only get one where he's working, yeah, the, but the rest are just exactly the same. Yeah. That was like, yeah. yeah, they could have gone if they would have gone really nuts with that. I think it would have been better. And I, but again, again, narratively, it's like, why did she blow up the yeah. energy core? Why didn't she? Uh, again, ignoring the fact that apparently i mean if you're already in the quantum realm how can you make things bigger and smaller using pin particles it doesn't seem to make it uh, you know the quantum realm is a small well, how do you, you carry get, a tank around in your pocket and yet well, yeah, supposedly know, but, it has the same yeah, no, but weight even, and mass but even but, with their the, the point is even with the rules they've already established in the universe they throw all of those out here the quantum realm in the past you had to protect yourself from going mad you had to wear a suit to breathe um and all of that disappears in this um you know you can live down there you can stay there as long as you want you can you know the people down there despite the fact they they don't have pin particles apparently know all about what's going on up above you know i did like how um, they can communicate that was kind of cool the translation yeah. thing the goop yeah the, the, but again like but then you're thinking well why why is that one slime creature able to make that happen uh, and then in the bar, where did they get that slime from? Is that another guy, or have they stolen the slime from the uh, from the first guy? Uh, uh, you know, and again, that was another character who was meant to be there for comic effect, but he's in it so little that it's just like, you know, why why did you even bother? Yeah, uh, that this seemed so crammed full of crap that wasn't really explored or explained, or it just seemed to be bloated. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm just really, like, the more I talk about it, the more angry I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> I, I, I'm kind you of know. like you. While I was watching it, I was enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. Things kept popping up that I thought, eh, well, okay, well, we're just going to move beyond that. That's fine. Because I'm enjoying the movie. And it was only the next day when I started really kind of dissecting it in my brain that I came up with so many problems. Yeah. Although so, the Casey Lang thing bothered me from the moment she came on screen i was like yeah. nope nope but also as well wrong. like the final the final the final act of the final fight of the final act where paul paul rudd and, and jonathan majors kang and and ant-man are going at it and um yeah ant-man's getting his ass kicked yeah right okay first of all he seemed to forget he was ant-man <laughs> because you know that whole popping up popping down size thing is his thing and he just Stop doing it. Just he just stopped doing it so he could get wailed on, right? And secondly, the whole tension of that scene is about the portals open and it might close. He might get trapped down there, 
time. And despite that, and despite the fact that he's built this new connection with his daughter, who's become a bit strange from, and his girlfriend's gone and all of that, you know, he, he he's going to stay and, and try and be the hero and try and stop Kang, even though he's hopelessly outmatched. And that tension of that is all meant to be there to kind of make him heroic, right? And then a couple of minutes later, you go, oh, hang on a minute, though. In this universe, once they're back up in the big world, they can go back down there anytime they want. So, so the tension they built and the hero heroic position they've put him in is completely evaporated because he's going, oh, well, he just knew that whatever happened, they'd come back and help him out. Yeah. Because they can. Yes. Because obviously up in the world, up in the big world, they can do whatever they want. Um, it's only down in the little world you can't get back up. But if you're coming down from up, then it's fine. And you just go, well, okay, so that was pointless. You know, he might. <laughs> why not go back to the main world and then drop back down again with one of those little tanks in your pocket and turn it up and roll it over Kang. Job done. I, I did dig the scene where Hank Pym comes to the rescue with the ants, though. But again... Yeah, it was Again, a cool scene. You got to admit, it was a cool scene. But the the it felt like oh, they remembered that it's got ant in the title, yeah. so they need ants in there. It's like I'm thinking after the movie, I think why didn't we get rid of Pixar guy and and uh, telepath guy and slime guy and warrior chick guy, yeah, and why not have the the ants the ants being the community that's been conquered by Kang. Yeah, you know, that they, been cool. they fell down in a different in a through whatever it was some kind of weird time dilation, right? And by the time that Ant Man and Hank and everything gets down there, they're already their full society. And then Kang came along and conquered them, right? And they work with the ants to get rid of Kang. That to me is a is an Ant Man movie. That would that's been more interesting. Yep. Yeah, make the make the ants um, able to talk. You know, make them articulate, make them different types of people. All that but it'll all be ants. You're going to... Tiny quantum subatomic ants would be cool. You're going to disagree with me here, but I think the very best part of the movie is MODOK. Oh, no, I I do agree with you. Do you? I He's do so great. He is it's, so great. Yeah. He, but you have to... You only get MODOK in this movie if you're familiar with MODOK from the comics, which is the comic relief he's become. And if you haven't seen that, and I saw this in my own family, if you've never seen MODOK before, it comes off as weirdly strange and people aren't really sure whether it's meant to be funny or not. Because, you know, obviously he's a weird-looking character and he's portrayed as the big evil, uh, and then he kind of becomes yeah. the comic relief and yeah. then they throw in a redemption arc for him. And, well, but it's um, kind of a fake redemption arc because no one actually yeah. buys it. Because nobody him. buys it and nobody yeah. cares. And... and but my only real problem with, with Modoc is that I think that the guy who plays him, I thought this in the original Ant-Man movie, is a terrible, terrible actor. You think so? Um, yeah, I really, I really, I never bought him as, as a, as, you know, a horrible guy in the original one. I just think he's a, he's not a great actor. And even though he's just a CGI face in this, um, I didn't really buy his performance that much. And it kept taking me out of, you know, how, how, I thought he did how a interesting Modoc would have been. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like it, um, you know. But I, I think I thought the idea of using Modok in this was was good. Um, I don't know. Maybe the maybe I, maybe it's the CGI was slightly off. The, I, the the kind of the the smeared face didn't like, look like I him. would. It looked like him, yeah. But I would have preferred it to look like a proper real face in a big helmet rather than just he, it out. looked like a CGI protection. Yeah, and, I agree uh, with you there. 
Yeah. And then when the it, whole faceplate came down, it it, it wasn't yeah. as interesting at I, all. I think it, I think they should have made it so it looked like it was a real head. Yeah. And they didn't. And uh, I think that I think it needed that to really uh, kind of buy me into the character. But I I think the way they mm-hmm. use him was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the whole don't, yeah, be, a don't dick. be a dick <laughs> and, and all of that was all great. You know. Um, and uh, even him going, oh, yeah, I mean, because he was always very whiny. Yep. So to make him whiny was was good. But I just don't, maybe it's just me, I just don't like that actor very much at all. I, I, I liked his goo gun in the very first Ant-Man movie, which to me was yep. the most horrifying weapon I've seen in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> you shoot someone and you get turned into a little bit of snot goo that can yeah. be flushed down the toilet with toilet paper. Why, yeah. why wasn't that a thing? Holy crap, yeah. what a scary well, weapon. Because they wanted to give him the traditional Modoc weapons, which is no, no. I mean, in the first movie, oh, he's yeah. he's going for the Ant Man suit. Well, he's got a gun that will is way better than the Ant Man suit. I mean, yeah, that that's the weapon yeah. right there. I mean, who who wants to get turned into goo? I'd rather get shot with a bullet. Yep. Anyways. Anyways, yeah. So. Um, I think it was better than, um, and and I know maybe this is blasphemy, I thought it was better than Wakanda Forever. Uh, Because I've watched that twice now, and that that also has so many holes in it. I still, after the second viewing, still 100% don't believe that she's the new Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I think the bad guy was, Namor is way better. He's the best thing in the entire Wakanda yeah. Forever. I, I've got to be honest. I think I think Marvel's really going through a bit of a purple patch. I, I agree with you. I think the from, last few movies have been subpar. Yeah. Because we've had, we've had. Um, I, know, I mean, I know enjoyed it more than you, but we had Thor Love and Thunder, which actually I thought was a better movie than the Quantum Mania movie. No, I, agree, I disagree with you. I think, I think Love and Thunder was one of the mar- worst marvel movies ever made it's just well, terrible on every level i i yeah i disagree with you but that's fine because that's personal preferences yeah. but if you go right back i to, will watch uh, this again i won't watch love and thunder and i won't watch what kind of forever again uh, well i won't watch this again i think it was completely utterly forgettable i think you know going all the way back to um it, well Doctor i'll Strange. watch it again because i like scott lang i like his yeah. character and there's parts in it that i get scott lang and it's great but unfortunately it's the beginning and the end of the movie everything in the middle is just kind of like all right he's just reacting and he's freaking out and he's casey casey you know it's like "Eh." i i just i think the only decent one they've done the last couple of years was the spider-man movie oh i agree um, and and really the spider-man movie shows how you should do a multiverse movie and the rest of them show how you shouldn't do a multiverse movie right well this wasn't Uh, a multiverse movie at all I mean, it was, but it wasn't. No, well, it's it's it it, it is because it's it's opening the door to the rest of the multiverse, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, not the multiverse, but the the Kangiverse, if you want. Yeah. But what I tell you, what really worries me, the same guy who wrote this one is writing the next Avengers movie, uh, and uh, that really worries me because I think it could be a real shower. Well, here's the thing: I think that Marvel pays attention to reviews. And what people yeah. say, maybe too much sometimes. And I think they're going to see what the plot holes are in this movie and realize, is this should we kind of maybe pivot a little bit and get a different writer in there or some more yeah. writers? Because yeah. there's so many problems. That, if this was an Avengers movie, I wouldn't have bought it. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, you have to wonder sometimes when you see these kind of results that are perhaps mediocre, if, you know, Kevin Feige just, if you could sit him down privately and go, all right, Kev, tell us what you really thought about that one. Yeah. You know. Is uh, this getting uh, all I'd, too big for one guy? Do you need to step back for a while? Oh, well, I'm not even sure whether it's, well, maybe that's the part, maybe he's stepping too far back. Maybe he needs to be more involved. I don't know. Maybe he needs to not be planning the phases, but he needs to be focusing um, on the movies, steering some of these movies and, and pointing out some of these problems. I mean, maybe that's the issue. Yeah, some of it was like, know. how did this get past Kevin Feige? Because, yeah, you know, you know, and he, it, maybe he's only seeing these movies at a stage where it's too late to well, fix Well, the things. reports came out that they pulled a lot of the, um, cgi people off of this movie to help finish what kind of forever and then this movie suffered for it and it's like uh, yeah i can kind of see that because this it felt hollow to me um maybe not so many movies uh, and maybe also as well if you maybe look at the way you're using the cgi yeah rather than just saying to the writers create whatever you want and we'll figure out how to do it i mean think cgi isn't the be all and end all of these movies some of the best scenes i'll give you an example hawkeye's farm yeah you take these very colorful characters in full costumes and you stick them in a farm that was interesting that was good sitting in avengers compound when scott comes knocking on the door that was a great scene Yes, that was CGI, but it's reality-based CGI. You well, know? that's uh, to me, that's one of the strengths of the previous Ant-Man movies is they use CGI in a in a realistic environment. Right, and this was so the, far out of that. This this just, is this is yeah, this is a cosmic movie. This would have been better but, if Scott died at the end. Yeah, they, they weren't going to do that. But, but but that's that's how you make Kang this Kang, not kill him off at the end. This Kang, so scary that he killed Ant-Man. He kills Scott mm. Lane because yeah. all of a sudden now there's weight to what he's doing. They just killed an Avenger on screen yeah. in his own movie. And this yeah. is where you hand it over to his daughter and all that bullshit. But he wins at the end and he doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, so the smallest Avenger can beat Kane. <laughs> and this is the guy that's going to be the big bad for the rest of the next well, three that, years that, that that is a very good point is that you know he despite all this technology and everything he was kind of um he yeah he was defeated well he um, says he he's killed so many avengers are you the hammer yeah. guy well you just got your ass kicked by ant-man and some ants <laughs> and, and the wasp and the wasp Don't forget the wasp well, in fact it's the wasp who kills him that's true but even <laughs> still i mean it's like really this is the big bad that ant-man and the wasp would take him out after he's murdered a bunch of Avengers, he's this big. He's so scary that, you know, uh, the original Wasp is like, oh my God, Janet's just freaking out because of this guy. And she's got this great history with him that's really interesting. But yeah, these two take him out. He's dead. Okay. Well, yeah. somehow well, the, this again, is the big bad for the well, next few as movies. I, as I said, this, this movie had some real narrative problems, yeah. and that's one of them. Kill Scott Lane. Just, just kill. Look, I love the character. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, but it's I'm just a perfect emailing. time to kill his character to set I'm up the new e- big I'm big just bad. emailing that to Kevin Feige now. Kevin Feige. It would have worked better. Com, it, and, and my subject line is kill Scott. Lane. Yes, it would have worked yeah. better had he killed <laughs> Scott, um, Janet, and Hank. They all die. 
Anybody else? No. The, you the, seem the, to be the, making the, a hit list here. The wasp let's, survives. Let's stick Cassie and, on and there Kate, as well. No, You'd she like becomes her. a new ant girl, I guess. I don't know, whatever that is. <laughs> ant woman. Um, but those are the only two characters that survive. The rest are killed. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're missing an opportunity there to call her Ant Chick. Ant Chick. Because then you can have the antics of Ant Chick. No, don't like right? that. <laughs> um, I think it would have worked yeah. better. I really yeah. do. Okay. Why well, does why think, why does Scott still not have wings that he can fly? I don't understand cause, that. Because because um, he's not a woman. Only the women have wings. Yeah, that makes no sense. Because of the Bette Midler song, "The Wind Beneath My Your Wings." Oh, that's true. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, obviously, that makes it a rule. Well, that in that's part of Hank's generation of music wings. too, so it would make sense. So it wouldn't. Yeah, it would make sense. You know. You know. There's. Uh, I still think the uh, Pixar lamp blasting face guy was the best of the whole movie uh, he, he certainly was until he got literally blasted in the face I know, yeah, and that kind of sucked <laughs> and, and I did like I really really did like uh, Ruben Rabasa in this movie thank you uh, Spider-Man that guy oh yeah the the guy in the um, the guy in the coffee shop yeah, yeah. I loved him yeah, yeah. yeah. and then he when was... he finds out that he's Ant-Man he makes him pay <laughs> But that, you see, that's the point. Those scenes would really enjoy, but that's what Ant-Man should be about. It should be about. Yep. And frankly, you know, they could have, I'd have preferred if they'd just not done a Quantum Realm movie at all. Let's just have a road trip movie with him and Cassie. He finds out she has the suit and they get involved in some big, small hijinks. Yeah, I think that, that would have been, been great. <laughs> would have been a great movie. Yep. Yeah. Um, but this movie just the- served as a platform to launch Kang, and that was a huge mistake. Yeah. All they have yeah. to do to launch Kang is after credit scenes, just like they did with Thanos. Is yeah. Thanos any less of a character because he wasn't in four properties before it? He wasn't in Loki. He wasn't in Ant Man, and then now he's. It makes yeah. it's it's not good. In fact, in fact, you know what? If if they'd have if they'd have just have done a the the road trip movie I just said, and the 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 bad guy in the movie had been Modok where they found a way to get him out of the quantum realm and go and hound Ant-Man for some reason. That would have been a great movie. Yeah. That really would have been a great movie. Yep. And instead, we got this. We got this. And this, this is not. No. And like I said, the, another big problem as well, I've read it in some of the other issues, everyone's going, well, this is like, looks like it's a copy of Star Wars. Uh, I didn't get that at all. I, I read that, and I was kind of expecting that going into it, and I didn't get I think, any of it. I think, I think the look of the of Kang City and the way that it, no that this. reminded me more of Guardians than anything well I think a lot of people felt there was some Death Star vibes there particularly with the large numbers of faceless soldiers who again couldn't shoot for no, shit no I, I didn't get Star Wars in this at all <laughs> well, anyway. I think people are just grasping well no Leanne said to me during the movie she said oh that that's Empire Strikes Back that's Star Wars I mean she was she was really getting those vibes actually there so this wasn't just people yeah but some most of critics. star wars and empire strikes back is tropes from what came before let's be honest as good mm-hmm. as we like those movies the original star yeah. wars is just you know a young wizard rescuing the yeah, princess yeah, at but, the end of the but, day but now this is using tropes of tropes so yeah it's tropey it's, again kind of lacking originality really so with that we're going to wrap up the geeks pub we really appreciate you guys listening all the way through we'd love to get your opinion on you know this or anything else we've talked if you disagree if you really like this movie tell us yeah let us know yeah and and if you agree that it wasn't that good i I mean here's the thing would you give it what on an uh a to e scale where would you put it me yeah Mm, 
I'm somewhere between a C minus and a D plus. Yeah, C minus simply because I, I think that I might like it more the second viewing. I, I really I do. I think this is this is going to be one of those ones when when you come back to it after you've seen some of the other movies with what happens with Kang, you're then going to see more in it. I think I think there was layers to to um, Jonathan Major's performances here that we we don't get because we're not seeing what's coming right. up. Um, and I think we we will in, enjoy it for that, but I don't think as a standalone movie today, um, it's that great. And I yeah, I will probably give it a D. Uh, and I think it might move up into the C's with later movies. Yeah, I I'm definitely sticking think, at C minus. I think. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, Michelle Pfeiffer and She's so um, good Jonathan it. Majors were outstanding. They were. In this movie, I wanted. Everyone else I wanted all really. of that for the first quarter of the movie. That's all I yeah. cared about. A third of the movie. That's what yeah. it, it should have started there. Immediately shows Janet back in time with him. Yeah. She rescues him because, well, the first 20, eh, first 10 minutes, 15 minutes is her establishing her in this new world, yeah. learning how to breathe, building her little hut, forgetting about all this realm and all that shit. And then he crash lands there. She helps him. It goes south. She gets out of there. He doesn't. When they go, yeah. and so she's not really all that worried, which would explain why she never mentioned him before, because he's yeah. sitting there by himself, right? Yeah. She got out because of her husband. He has no chance. And time yeah. being different, blah, blah, blah. So and, and, they get yeah, back, and, then, and, and he's yeah, there, and, then, and it's the ants, like you said. The ants exactly. that went and then, through. And then you've got a motivation yes. for him. Yes, he because, wants you know, a revenge against her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so that, they're that, trying that, to protect her. So how come... Just spitballing for half an hour. You and I have both come up with two better movie ideas than what we saw on the screen. Well, we do this all the time. I, I still don't understand why we're doing a free podcast when Hollywood can be paying us huge sums of money, huge sums just, of money, my, to fix all their problems. Because we obviously my, have all the answers. On my email with the uh, Ant-Man kill list that I'm sending to Kevin, I've just put, P.S., we should be writing these movies for you. No, 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 not writing them. I don't <laughs> want to write them. I want to be in the writer's room and correcting all the mistakes. Right. Okay, oh, let me let me just edit that. Yeah. Okay. We want to Make sure you attach our CVs room. to that, please. Yeah, CVs. And don't forget, we need to be paid. Yeah, money's yeah. good. Okay, gone. <laughs> so, we're all set then. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Show as well? <sighs> Maybe. Right. Maybe. It, it depends on the feedback. So if uh, yeah. anybody wants us to keep doing the show. Yeah, just right. let us know. We got we got to know. The show at... Uh, what show are we doing here? Uh, the show at Geeks yeah, Pub. Geeks, but you could, also, Pub you could also write to uh, David and Tim at marvelwritersroom.com. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're going to be doing the DC stuff as well as oh, of course, uh, Lord yeah, of the right. Rings. We David and Tim at comics comics movies writers yep. room dot com. Yep. yep, yeah. All right, man. I'll see you next. Well, maybe next week. I don't know. I'm. I've got a big dental procedure on Wednesday. I think by Sunday I'll be fine. I should be able to do the show. Uh, if not, okay. I'll see you the week after that. But uh, either way, have a great weekend, my friend. Best of luck. Bye.